Hello and welcome to the Chronicle Extra, the bonus for a uh, bonus film podcast for the Chronicle. I'm Paul. I am the host for this bonus episode. I do hope you enjoyed the main uh, episode five of the Chronicle, which is still available over at the People's Movies. For this bonus episode, uh, which will be posted here exclusively on the Chronicles in uh, Film dot com. We'll still follow the same ethos as the main podcast. It may be me just talking about a few reviews, a few rants, and even a few mods as well. As you know, the main episode may eventually have a, a co-host, but here at Chronicles Extra, I will still be myself. As, as many of you know, I am the editor of Chronicles and Film and the People's uh, Movies. So basically for this episode... A bonus episode, I will be reviewing uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse and the horror, The Boogeyman. So the first uh, review for this uh, bonus episode is Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. So obviously this uh, takes place uh, a year after the first film. And Miles Morales, once again voiced by Shamik Moore, he returned for obviously another uh, chapter here. And basically, he re- after reuniting with Gwen Stacy, who's voiced by Hayley Stensfield, Brooklyn's full time friendly neighbourhood Spider Man, he's catapulted across the multiverse. And Mary counters a team of spider people, or called uh, the Spider Society, and they're basically in charge of protecting its very existence, that actual universe. But, like anything, Heroes do clash, and and how they get to handle the new threat. Miles finds himself pitted against other spiders, and he obviously he needs to redefine himself to what actually means to be that hero, and obviously how he can uh, save the people he loves most. So obviously this takes a, a place a year after the the, the actual uh, first film, uh, which. Uh, was an absolute gem that was obviously Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and as we watch we get a, a little intro and it's uh, it comes from Gwen and she's telling the story and she's telling the story of that Miles wasn't the only one who who uh, was bitten by a spider obviously she was too and also was learning there's many other people but as well, and and she's starting to feel bad in how the way she hurt Miles in the first film, and you get to see she's getting very rebellious and and uh, you know it's absolute you know she's in a band you know and 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 she does you know basically she's feeling really hard, and then we, we get to see her story, and there, there is a Peter Parker in her story who's a good friend with her, and it looks like. In her universe, what I will say is before I say anything else, there might be a few spoilers in here if you haven't seen the film or even seen the first film, so please bear with us. That her father thinks Spider Gwen, who uh, spite Spider Gwen, uh, kills uh, Peter Parker, but obviously, which obviously, as we know, is uh, really untrue. And we get to see other characters, you know, like uh, a vulture who's like a when we see him, he's like a Leonardo da Vinci style looking, and he can only speak Italian, very, very Renaissance as well, very, as I say, Da Vinci era. 
until Spider-Man, or this is called Spider-Man uh, 2099, uh, who's voiced by Oscar Isaacs, it also butts in from the multiverse. And at this point, the multiverse, these people here, they're here to actually, uh, as I said, protect and make sure the universe stays as it should be uh, as well. But obviously, she, uh, Gwen convinces uh, Spider, Spider-Man 2029 to act, 2099, sorry, to let her come on board his, uh, this society, or Spider Society, as we actually do actually learn as well. So meanwhile, back in Mel's uh, Moralysis time, we start to see a, there's actually a new villain on, on the town, Spot, who's uh, voiced by Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman, as many people may know, is a regular in the, the Wes Anderson movies, including Asteroid City, which is out near the end of this month, which I hopefully we will review on uh, the main uh, podcast. And he's starting to make Miles' life a misery, and we start to learn uh, that he could be responsible of how Miles' life is actually learned. And through flashbacks and through things that happen, we do actually start to learn what he's actually meaning here as well. And obviously his name's Spot, and what he does, he he, he uses a similar sort of way the Spider Society used to get through time. Now he's got through these big holes. And eventually, obviously... If anyone's seen the, the Tom Holland uh, version when he was in with Doctor Strange, the live-action version of Spider-Man, the last Spider-Man, uh, you know, it's, it's absolutely crazy, this Spider-Verse as well. You know, and so there's a lot of that in there. There's a lot of little Easter eggs in there, you know, from that that uh, that version. And a lot of, you see a lot of there are Spider-Mans, including a Spider-Cat, a Spider-Punk, you name it, there is a Spider-Version in this. So... Basically, uh, when the original Spider-Man actually came out, Spider-Universe, it won Oscars. It won a BAFTA for the best animated feature. So that set a standard of what the sequel had to do, and it conquers it. I mean, this is a visual treat for your eyes here. I mean, every world that Miles and Gwen or any of the spiders or any of the characters going to uh, has its own distinctive aesthetic and visual style. And these styles, as in the art style is drawn, the, the, the film doesn't, I think, special point it. It doesn't actually stay in one uh, animated style. You could have the sort of Gonzo style, you could have a bit of anime, stop animation, futurism, even a punk style, I think it's Jamie Hewitt uh, style, you know, the, your sort of traditional animation style. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the film. What it does is also makes the, the film is very, very fast-paced. And sometimes it doesn't give you a chance to actually breathe. Which, at the same time, it makes the two-hour quarter running time feel pass really, really quickly as well. It's an absolute breathtaking film as well. And there's so much stuff going on here, obviously. Uh, the grounded stuff like Miles, it's all about identity, adolescence. Miles trying to find his own place, which you hear a lot in the trailers, which says, I want to find it on my own here, as well, and, and obviously, he feels out of sync here, and, if anyone's seen any multiverse films, or, uh, series, 
that uh, are released to uh, Disney and Marvel, you know there's a lot of conflicts going on here, and everyone's conflicting with each other. As I said, there's a lot of Easter eggs going on here, and fans of Spider-Man are really, really like. And there is one I really like, and if anyone remembers the Spider-Man comics from the 1990s, the Ben Reilly, he was a bit of the sort of emo, one who was always angry with himself. That's quite a good example as well. In Spider-Man Across the Universe, uh, I mean, that truly showcases the power of animation and how wonderful it is and why it's not just for kids. There's a lot of people still think animation is just for kids. If anyone knows Japanese animation, that shows you another perfect example where it's also for the adults as well. And and it's a very frenetic and it's a very irresistible film. And the film actually elevates above ex- expectations. But what I will say is there was a lot of people didn't realise that uh, this was only a... It was only a first part. Originally... Uh, this uh, this film was meant to come out. It was during sort of the COVID era. It was like 2021, 2022. But obviously, as all film fans know, and in life in general, everything get rescheduled, cancelled, you name it. And for this point, so you're going to be back, as I say, 2021. They've known there's going to be two parts. So a lot of people didn't realise that. And the next part, which is Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, uh, it's coming. Unfortunately, we have to wait another wait till next summer, twenty twenty four, to get that. But what a film we have here! As I said, it's a very frenetic, irresistible film, and I'll actually give this uh, film four stars. So, for the final uh, review for this uh, bonus episode of the Chronicle, the Chronicle Extra. I'm going to review The Boogeyman, which was directed by uh, Rob Savage. And anyone that knows Rob Savage, he directed the absolute brilliant film horror that came out during the COVID era called The Host. And I do recommend you check this film out. It is available on Shudder, and I believe it's also available to actually uh, rent and download from the usual uh, digital platforms. So basically this film uh, actually stars... Sophie Thatcher, and Sophie Thatcher, some people may know from, I believe it's the Yellow Jackets, uh, she's on Paramount Plus, and so this film, uh, she plays high school student Sadie Harper, and her sister, younger sister uh, Sawyer, who is played by Vivian Lyra Blair, and the two of them are still reeling from the recent death of their mother. And they feel like they're not getting enough uh, support from the father, who's played by uh, Chris Messina. He plays uh, Will Harper the father, who also happens to be a, a therapist as well. And he's obviously dealing with his pain in his own way as well. So when he gets a very desperate patient, who's uh, played by David Dasson Marakalian, apologies for the pronunciations, he plays a character called Lester Billings, comes into the office, uh, seeking help. He leaves behind a terrifying supernatural entity that ends up preying on families and feeds actually on no actual suffering or the victims. So the film starts where we hear all these multiple voices and you see this little girl and she's terrified and she's trying to... Uh, she's, she thinks it's her daddy as well and, 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 and this entity is trying to gain so it's obviously we start to learn this is the the, the boogeyman if you like to say and uh, 
and unfortunately this little girl becomes the first victim as well. So, next we obviously we get to see the two young girls, Sadie and Sawyer, and we obviously learn about their, their, uh, their pain and their dad being a therapist as well. And he meets, obviously, uh, Lester. But some very dramatic happens after uh, Lester and their and uh, the girls' home. That's where their dad actually has his, his office as well. And some drastic actually happens in there. And it makes you think... The, the Boogeyman, which I forgot to say, is based on a short story from a... Stephen King, I believe it was he ripped during the 1970s, pretend possibly around about 1977, which was sort of the era it was called his angry era as well. And these kids, I mean, they're typical kids, and and basically, this the forms that I play, and so we, we get to see a lot through Sawyer first. And she's absolutely terrified what may be under her bed, what may be in the closets as well, you know, and, and things. And, and then, obviously, some happens as well. And then we flash forward to, obviously, school, and we see Sadie, and she's starting to find it tough as well. And, obviously, we her mother, and she's obviously doing it in a different way as well. But, meanwhile, back at the the Sawyers, because, again, it's like a flashback between... Sawyer in her bed and, and seeing her sister at school as well and, and things start to happen as well you know and and, and it's and, and the both and, and then the monster sort of makes its first appearance and it starts to mimic their mother as well and, and, and even when they go to the therapist uh, they face another phobia obviously the dark and she starts using light to, and it starts to flicker and they get you glimpses that the bogeyman is actually there. And at the first sorry, she thinks her sister Sadie uh, at one point when they're back at her home is speaking to her at her door. So she goes up and then at that point the door of her closet opens up and, and then there's a knock at the door and Sawyer goes to look and see her, her sister isn't there and her sister's actually uh, in her dad's office searching the pit the Lester Billings uh, character and, and basically at this point, the two of them start to realise, yeah, there is something going on here. And it and, and for Sadie, her investigation takes her to, to Lester's home and she starts to learn other things here as well. And there's a few jump scenes happening here and there as well. And at one point, she starts to think, again, Oh, this is just all in her imagination as well. And then there's a point where the base she's in the basement. Typical horror film. They tell you don't go in the basement. What do they do? They go in the basement as well. And you start to see mosses growing in the walls. And when she's at the balance home, you see the moss here as well. And, and and then they start to really, really, really believe. But the father doesn't believe in them as well. And, and basically... The two of them are on for an absolute battle as well. So this isn't a, the Boogeyman isn't a film that will play uh, plays on non-stop jump scares. As I said, there is a few uh, saw jump scares in there. This is a film that actually plays more actually on the fears, the fear, the dread, and what might be lurking in the dark. Basically, the little things that the children uh, gave children's nightmares at bedtime as well. And the Boogeyman is a film which. 
it's plenty of foreboding atmosphere, and it's a well worked plot as well. But most of the film is that you actually think the creature is more more emblematic rather than a monster, and, and it's more the mon- you think it's more the monsters of the demons that we are battling inside, especially when it comes to the grief and the death and how families deal with that situation. But obviously that manifests into the monster as well. There is elements of Stranger Things, even a wee bit of Quiet Place here, other horror films as well. As I said, Rob Flavius, he does well with what he has. And that story can be seen as very generic story, but at the same time, it's very highly effective, especially when it comes to how they use the sound design and how it plays in your mind at what might be actually lurking in the darkness. It's a well-acted film, and I said it explores the grievances that the family go through as well. But what will happen is many might find it a very, very slow-paced film, and because there isn't many jump scares in it, many will actually find the film uh, very underwhelming as well. I would actually give this film three stars. There you have it, folks. There's another episode, well, obviously the first bonus episode of the Chronicle Extra. I do hope you enjoyed it, and I thank you for uh, joining us for this bonus episode and also thank you for joining us uh, for the main episode I do hope you enjoyed both episodes so obviously do remember to head over to the People's Movies uh, for that uh, main episode if you haven't uh, had a chance to listen to it I will try and put a link below uh, this episode as well for the People's Movies obviously the bonus episodes will be on a Chronicle and Film only. So obviously, please comment and rate this episode. It does help the podcast get noticed by more people. It also does uh, share this episode with your friends and also on social media because it all, most of all, it all supports uh, the actual podcast. Once again, you will find us on The Chronicle and The Chronicle Extra on Anchor, Spotify, Radio Public, Podbean, CastBox, and Amazon and then directly on uh, the websites. Head over to the People's Movies to sign up for the, the emailing list as well. You can follow me on Twitter at the Chronicle, uh, Chronicles and Film at CFF underscore dot UK and at the People's Movie uh, on uh, Twitter and then over to Facebook at the People's Movie uh, uh, as well. So thanks again for listening to the Chronicle. Until the next time, enjoy your movie.